morning I'm deviating from what I might normally preach on. I want to talk about the future this morning, the future of the body of Christ by addressing the present. Many times I've heard over the years, and it's been the passion of my heart, that we need to be concerned about future generations. But in being concerned about future generations, we need to be concerned about the present. And just reflecting a little what that might look like. Whether it be back in the day of Noah, whether it be in the day of Christ, or whether it be in our day today. Some things are going to be stable, and unchanging, other things will change according to the culture. And as we think about ministry to younger people, ministry we have to younger people is going to be dependent upon you know, a willingness of people to be involved. But as we think about ministry and we think about the future, but focusing on the present, so we make disciples of teens or children or young adults. The whole issue of relationships is critical. Relationships. If you go to Scripture, you will find that God repeatedly talks about shepherd and sheep. A shepherd caring for sheep, sheep following the shepherd. There's a relationship between the sheep. Sheep will follow a shepherd because they trust their shepherd. You can have a shepherd or a group of shepherds meeting together and talking, and the sheep will intermingle. You say, how are the shepherd going to uh, separate their sheep? One shepherd walks off and calls his sheep, and they will follow. Another shepherd walks off in another direction, and the sheep will follow because there's a relationship. Jesus selected 12 men to be with him, to be with him. Parents, grandparents, older saints, pastor, elders, deacons, teachers, building relationships with their children, their grandchildren, with those younger, for pastor and elders and deacons, a flock overall. Teachers with those that they teach, a relationship. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, we find God says, I will make man in my image. Or let us make man, I'm sorry, let us make man in our image. What did God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit do in eternity past? I think we can safely say they related to one another. They had a relationship. What's eternity future hold for believers? Relationship. Relationships are very critical as it relates to the future generation, but also just the whole issue of example. Example. Parents, grandparents, older saints, pastor, elders, deacons, teachers, being able to say to someone, follow me as I follow Christ. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, now what you've seen in me, do. 
In 1 Timothy 3, 4 and 5, he talks about the home. He's, and in talking about the home, he's talking about qualifications of elders in the context. And he says, an elder should manage his own family well. Because that becomes a testing ground, a proving ground for leading the church. You know, an example. In Titus 2, he talks about older women and older men and an example. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, he's talking to believers there and he says, follow the example you know, of your leaders. See, I should be able to say to Ruth Ann, to my kids, to my grandkids, and to you, if you want to know how to live the Christian life, look at me. Do what I do. Think the way I think. Have the desires that I have. Just follow me. Grandparents being able to say the same thing. Pastor, elders, older saints. Being able to say, live my desires, my attitudes, my thoughts, my words, my actions. <coughs> you want to know how to live? Follow Travis. You want to know how to live? Follow an older guy like Arden. Example is so critical. Here's how to live. Just follow me. Then there's also the issue of teaching and knowledge. You know, Jesus taught parents, grandparents, older saints, pastor, elders, teachers are to teach. You know, give knowledge, give in input, give content. Teaching is to spring from an ongoing relationship and example. If you study scripture, the teaching that is shared from Scripture and how to live skillfully and wisely in life is to come from a relationship that someone has and an example that they have to follow. So I say to my children, you're to obey the government. Now, kids, you're to obey the government. That means when the taxes are due, you pay them without whining or complaining. That means when you see a speed limit sign, you obey. And I modeled that for you. That means when the government or president makes a decision that you don't like, you don't whine and groan and complain and criticize him. You accept his leadership. I've been doing that, son, daughter, grandkids. Follow my example. See, the teaching springing from a relationship and an example, those taught need to know that someone cares. And they have an example to follow. If I were willing to give some money away, I would ask one of you to come up here, put a camera on this tripod, and make it stand on one leg, and then be able to you know, take some pictures when you're not close by. I could even say, how about standing on two legs with the camera on top? No, you need all three legs. Impacting future generations involves relationships, example, and knowledge. You say, which is more important? Yes. 
They're all three equally important, but the relationship and the example seems to precede the teaching. Because if you get teaching from someone that is not living it and doesn't have a relationship, you respond much differently. Relationship, teaching, or example, and then teaching. All three important. All three critical. Our Christian culture today, I have noticed, tends to emphasize the knowledge. We've got to help the younger generation. We've got to be sure we teach them right. Yes. But that teaching coming from someone who has a relationship with them and is modeling an example for them. So a teen goes off to college. <clears throat> and we say, we've got to give them the proper tools to deal with all that teaching that they're going to get in a secular college that may not be on track. And we can bombard them for a year or two years before we go to school with all kinds of knowledge. I say, no, let's step back a little. Let's have a relationship of a parent, a grandparent, older saints, a pastor, an elder, a teacher that has been building for years. And an example that they can follow, they can say, I trust mom and dad. I trust my grandparents. I trust this older saint. And they can go off to school with even limited knowledge, and they'll recognize immediately something's not right about what that prof said. I think I will call Joe Pearson and talk to him about that because I have a relationship with him, and I'm observing his example, and I'm not sure how to respond. Well, they may have the knowledge, but if the knowledge is not backed by relationship and example, we lose them quicker. So a gal goes off to college and uh, is starting to get in with the wrong crowd, and a guy, you know, is getting a little pushy, and she thinks, ah. I don't think this is good. You know, I had a lot of interaction with Vera over the years. And this just doesn't seem right. And I know Vera had said a couple things to me about, you know, guys and sexual desires and so on. And I don't think this is in target. I think I'll give Vera a call and talk to her. Now, what do I do in this case, Vera? I have the knowledge that this is wrong, but what do I do? How do I handle this? See, the relationship, the example. I am of the conviction that the primary reason young adults may walk away from God in college or in the military or wherever they may go is generally not due to lack of knowledge. It's tied in with the relationship and the example. I went to Delaware Valley my first year. I can remember very distinctly sitting in biology class. 
and the prof going on and on about evolution and so on. I recognized that he was not on track. And I thought, you know, I have a relationship with my mom and dad. My mom and dad have known me longer than this prof has. They probably know more than I do. They know as much as this prof about life. And I watch mom and dad live over the years. I don't want to forsake what they have taught and what they have lived for to follow this guy that doesn't even know me. The power of relationship, example, coupled with knowledge, having three legs. Not one, not two, but all three. Children, and I'm making a general statement, and teens and young adults going on for God seems to be in direct proportion to good relationships with example of and teaching from parents, grandparents, older saints, pastor, elders, deacons, and teachers. Just the whole issue relationship, example, and knowledge. We don't prepare a young person to live in the world when they're 15 or 16. We start the day of the birth. Parents, grandparents, older saints, pastors, elders, deacons, teachers, just pouring into their lives. When I was state FFA vice president, we went to fairs and had a booth for the Future Farmers of America. And I can remember very distinctly being at a fair in Troy, Pennsylvania. I was 19 years old. And while we were there, some of the guys said, let's go and do. You know what went through my mind? This is what dad said. This is what mom said. But this is the model that mom and dad provided. I don't think I'll go because they've known me longer than these guys that I hang with. Any ministry in a local church should involve relationships, example, and teaching. For that ministry to happen, it takes much more than one or two people. It involves the body at large. I can point out a couple people now I won't, you know, those of you who are younger, and I can say you have a relationship with your parent, but also some older saints. I could point to others and say you have a relationship with mom and dad, with your grandparents, with a couple older saints, and a good relationship with a teacher. They're seeking to model an example, and they're seeking to, seeking to provide instruction. All of that's so important. 
So our desire as it relates to ministry, whether it be in Sunday School Awana or if we have a teen ministry, which we you know, don't at the present time, is to be helpful in small ways in moving teens, young adults, toward a lifestyle walking with God to know Christ and to live in the Holy Spirit. Now notice I said a small way. That's all it can be. Why? Because formal ministry is only about an hour and a half or two a week. And you can't impact lives in an hour and a half or two a week to a great extent. Because they're with mom and dad, they're with grandkids, they're with other people a lot of the times. So whatever ministry, impact in a small way. But keeping in mind that the foundation is that a home is the primary training ground. The home is a primary training ground. Can't escape that. The whole issue of intergenerational is so important. Yesterday, as we were down for my mother's 89th birthday, we went to a country cupboard. That's where she likes to go, so we go there. And I thought, here we have a 89-year-old lady. Her children were there, except my brother Orv, who is going to be with the Lord. Some of her grandchildren and some great-grandchildren. Four generations. A mom numerous times has said to me, you know, I'm concerned about, and she'll mention one of the grandkids. I'll say, Mom, do your part. If you have to write a letter, give a call. You can impact others. See, this children... And teenagers, it is intergenerational. If you're over 55, I'm going to put you in the old category today. If you're over 55, you have a role in impacting young people. A relationship, example, and teaching. Formally or informally. Intergenerational. If you're in the middle age group, you have a role. Relationship, example, and teaching whether it's a formal thing or an informal, intergenerational. Remember very distinctly when I was a teenager going through some tough times, there was a guy in his 40s that I could go talk to. Older than me, but intergenerational. When I was younger, there's some old people that deeply impacted my life, a relationship, example, and teaching. See, part of example is not perfection, but modeling how to handle sin and failure. See, you as an older person need to be able to say to a teenager, when you sin, when you fail, here's what you do. You go to God and admit to God you were wrong, Rejoice in His grace and the forgiveness that He offers. And then you go to the person or persons that you offended and resolve it with them. See, that's part of example. That's part of relationship. Parents, grandparents, older saints, just being a model. Follow me as I follow Christ. Three, four cords in the rope. I need a volunteer, someone who wants to... Exercise her muscles briefly. 
Ben, are you willing to come up here? I won't embarrass you. I got some thread here. When you're done with the thread, Ben, you can just lay it here on the table so it doesn't get caught in the sweeper. I would like you to take, take that piece of thread. I would like you to tear it. Okay, lay it on the table. Okay, if you want to take... This is two strands now. You want to hold this at the top. And I'll cut this. Maybe. Okay, I want you to tear two strands. Okay. okay if you want to hold that at the top. This is going to be three strands. We're going to ask Ben to break. Was it a little bit harder? Yes, it was. Okay. Hold that at the top, please. Hold that at the top, please. And hold that at the top, please. Okay, now I'll cut this. Try to break that. Okay, a little harder? Yes, it was. Okay. Thank you. You may sit down. I could have gave him six or seven, and he probably could not break it. He's strong. <laughs> so we may have a mom, one, a dad, two, a grandfather, three, a grandmother, four, a couple older saints, five, six, and seven, a pastor, we'll say eight, elders, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, deacons, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I think you get the point. A cord of many strands is not easily broken. Pardon? <laughs> A multifaceted rope, if you please. A husband and a father training children is essential. Not ignoring mother, I'm just saying husband and father taking the lead. Teens treated as young adults to do ministry. If we treat a 15-year-old as a teenager, that's different than treating them as an adult. A 15-year-old probably should be treated as an adult, even though they still have learning to go on. But they can learn. See, our desire, whether it be teen ministry, whether it be a young adult ministry, whether it be a one or whatever, is to have people know God, not merely to be entertained, to be know God, to make disciples for them to serve and to not be served. So just a couple thoughts. Possibly potential, and I'm talking teens now. We were to meet on Wednesday nights, maybe the first week, have fellowship with one another, applying the one another's in Scripture, sharing, interacting informally, maybe taking some time to eat together, and just seeking to practice body life. 
Perhaps the second week, we have the older generation involved. We got a Daniel in Alberta. We got a Lorraine and Joe and Eunice to come and just share their testimony. And we say, what games do you older folks like? And we play some games. And we talk and we share and we interact. And Daniel and Alberta share some of their history and what has happened in their walk with the Lord. The older generation impacting the younger generation. You say it's very brief, but that builds relationships for what happens outside of a formal setting. Maybe a third week having some teaching, just learning and applying. Now, not merely filling the head, but someone teaching that desires a relationship and someone teaching that is seeking to model an example. The fourth week, perhaps, have some teaching and learning, but geared to serving. I'm not talking setting in rows and saying, now we're going to teach these teenagers or something. You're going to give some input, but then you're going to figure out what does this look like in life as we share and interact? How do we apply this? How do we serve others? How do we serve these people that are over the hill? You know, like Daniel and Alberta and Joe and Eunice and... Lorraine, forgive me. I'm getting there. (laughs) I feel I'm already there sometimes. But how do we serve them? What can we do in our community to serve? Hey, Saturday, why don't a group of of us go help widow so-and-so do this? That's the application of what we've been discussing tonight. And perhaps in the fifth week, is an informal thing. There's four fifth weeks a year of teens, parents, and grandparents, and just older saints informally getting together to share and interact. A couple other possibilities. Ministry or serving times that involve parents and teens and letting the teens and the parents do the planning. Not plan for them, but let them do the work of the ministry. Some social events organized by parents, young adults, or teens. Again, let them do the planning and so on. And if they want to involve some older people, fine, let them do it. Camps. We have a winter camp at the present time. Maybe we have a summer camp, but involving older and younger than that. Just the whole issue of ministry times, social events, camps, but just building relationships. There's an older gentleman sitting here this morning by the name of Ray Cease. Ray Cease in his younger days could tramp the woods better than he does now. He still enjoys it, but not quite as good. And he took some younger guys backpacking. I don't know how many years ago that was. Alan, you remember, Danny? At least 20, over 20 years ago. I have heard from guys that Ray took backpacking the value and the wisdom that he imparted in that informal thing. 
parading through the woods, getting tired, lighting fires, staying dry, walking in soft and wet shoes or whatever the case may be. So that's relationship. That's example. Because they could see how Ray responded. There was a relationship being developed. A couple of thoughts. Our teens looking for genuine Christianity at home and the body of Christ. I would say yes. They just want to see a genuineness, not a front, just the real thing. I saw the real thing when in living with dad and mom. I remember so well, I, some things really were impressed upon me, chasing pigs. You ever try to load pigs in a truck to take them to market? If you never did, don't bother trying. <laughs> but we would get in there and we'd help dad. And we'd get the pigs into the chute, you know, a little narrow thing, maybe three, four feet wide. Then you close the gate behind them. Then you had to drive them or get them onto the truck somehow. And if I ever saw dad in real life, it was trying to load pigs. <coughs> I'll stop at that. I saw him in real life. Hey, dad. What do you do with the scripture talks about being kind to your beast? Well, Dan, you just need to understand. But so in real life, I saw dad come home from market, when I say market auction, at Middleburg, and respond to mom when supper wasn't ready, quote unquote, on time at six o'clock. I saw dad come home, or mom come home the night she wrecked a 56 Chevy. And I saw mom and dad respond and relate to one another. See, that's life. Genuine Christianity that sees the ups and the downs and learns how to respond from the ups and downs in life. My mom and dad did not always respond correctly. Nor do I. How do you handle that? I saw mom and dad respond correctly many times. How do you handle that in life? They're just seeing a genuineness in daily life. I've talked to many adults and I've talked to some teenagers when they were teens who are adults now. And the biggest issue in walking away from God are two things. I didn't have a relationship that was very deep with my parents, my grandparents, older saints, pastor, elders, and deacons, and teachers. Oh, they taught me. They bombarded me with a lot of information. But I lacked the relationship. Secondly, there was not an example.
had a kid tell me one time, my dad says, don't go here and don't watch this. But I see him sit in our own living room and watch stuff on TV. I don't respect him and I don't want to follow him and I don't want his God. And he said a little stronger than that. Just the whole example. Relationship example. So very, very important. I think we want to see or they want to see just a genuineness. So my kids saw me when I responded to them incorrectly. That's part of life. Example for them, I hope, uh, how they respond to their kids you know, when they respond incorrectly. Sometimes we say, and I've heard, teens don't want to come. I would ask, why not? And I answer with some questions. What relationship with, example in, and teaching do they have from older saints? What relationship with, example in, and teaching from parents? What relationship with, example in, and teaching from church leaders and teachers? What relationship with teaching, a relationship with example in, and teaching from their fathers? You say some kids don't have a godly father or a godly mother. I understand that. But that's where older saints come in, to come alongside and say, we want to reach out and we want to care for you. We love you. That's where a teacher comes in. That's where a pastor or elder comes in. Or a deacon comes in and just comes alongside and says, I really want to care for you. My next question. Are we reaping the fruit of several generations of example? What older saints, parents, church leaders, teachers, and father, fathers motto will be followed. I raise that question for this reason. I've read a fair amount on the history of Christianity in the last hundred years. And you can go back to the 40s, World War II taking place, many fathers being away, part of war, not out to change that. Many fathers did not come home. And when many fathers did come home, there was not that relationship present. And I'm not condemning the fathers of the war or anything else. They didn't see that example for a period of time. And in some respects, the church stepped in and church organizations took over. What happened? The next generation came along. These kids who were, were raised during the war, War II era did not see an example from dad and did not see an example necessarily from older saints. So they started to depend upon the church and ministries to do the training. And that has continued into the present. A question. How many of you raised in a quote-unquote Christian home 
and I use that very loosely, were taught spiritually by your father. Don't raise your hand. I didn't say I was taken to church. I said taught by your father. For generations, dads probably have not taught nearly as well as they should. I'm not blaming, I'm not knocking, I'm not criticizing, just observing. Are teens looking for genuine Christianity? I think they are. And I think many have found it and seen it in action, and others have not. As a statement shared at times is, we don't offer anything for teens. We must offer them something, or we will lose them. I agree 110%. But I present the question, what should we offer? Not opposed to fun, I'm not opposed to games, I'm not opposed to all kinds of things. But in the process, I think we need to be concerned that fathers who have a heart for God, not mere entertainment, fathers who relate to, set an example, and teach their children, not merely music that teens may like, Older saints who have a model of holiness, not merely a focus on fun. Fathers who love their mother, not merely teaching, teaching, teaching. We can bring teens into Sunday school. We can bring teens into a Wednesday evening service, and we can just bombard them with teaching. They need a relationship, and they need an example. To bombard them with teaching is not healthy because you're neglecting two of the three legs. Intergenerational. Not merely two or three adults doing it all. Teens treated as adults, serving, doing the ministry. Not blaming the church for failing teens. And we could go on and list other items. Children and teens, we say, are the future church. Let's step back and say, children and teens are part of the church now. And we impact them with relationships, with example, with teaching. Which is more important? They're all three essential. We can look at our lives. We can say, I didn't do too well, or I blew it here, I blew it there. Join the crowd. We can bemoan what isn't. Let's forget what isn't. 
Let's pick up where we are and just seek to do right. Some of you older people, you know, older again, you know, we'll say over 55, We'll have young people talk to you sometimes. And part of the reason some young people will talk to some of you older people is because I've told them repeatedly, go talk to some older people. Build relationships. You need it. Build relationships. Look at them. Observe them. Follow their example. See, that's so very, very critical. We may blow it. We may make mistakes along the way. Let's let the past be past. And those things that are good that we have been doing, let's continue to do. Awana. Having young people involved in Awana. Having some over the hillers involved in Awana. Excuse me, Arden and Jeff and Anita and so on. (laughs) Sharon. (laughs) You know, it's important. We have some younger people, Sammy, Ashley. I think that's important. That's a good thing. Keep doing it. We have some people that teach in Sunday school that have seen a lot in life, some that are not quite as far along in life. That's a good thing. So as it relates to teen ministry, if you want to pass them out now, and you can get some people to help you, We want people involved. We have not had a teen ministry in the last year and a half. Well, we're not going to bemoan that. There's a sheet coming around. I want you to take time to think about it. You don't need to respond this morning unless you're ready. Unless you're ready to respond. You want to respond tonight. You want to hand it in. And the next week, that is fine. Just some opportunities for you to be involved in a teen ministry. But again, not seeing teen ministry merely as something that takes place on a Wednesday evening from 6.30 to 8. We're seeing it much bigger than that. You may say, well, I got a couple hours a week I can devote to something. Well, then there's five teens you can build a relationship with. Go take them hiking. Go work with them. Go help widow so-and-so. Well, I I just really enjoy teaching. Well, then we'll let you teach once once a month, you know, and team ministry and so on. But on the sheet, men, fathers, grandfathers, teach Wednesday evening, one or two nights in the next 10 months. Just volunteer, you know, to teach. Not teaching every week, but maybe one or two nights. And teaching isn't, if there's enough volunteers, not something we're going to do every week. There's going to be other things. Parents, young adults, plan oversee a fellowship or one another time food on a Wednesday night. You know, maybe two times over the next 10 months. Older saints, and I don't like to put ages on it, but 55 and beyond, be involved in sharing wisdom and encouragement, playing games, those you can handle, with teens one or two Wednesday evenings over the next several months. Parents, older parents, saints, grandparents, young adults, middle-aged, plan a ministry outreach with teens once during the next 10 months. You say, what would it be? I don't know. You figure that out. Parents, older saints, grandparents, young adults, middle-aged adult, plan a social event with teens during the, once during the next 10 months. Parents, older saints, grandparents, young adults, be involved for several hours a day 
or whatever in organizing teaching, planning games, organizing meals at a winter or summer teen camp. A husband and wife to provide general oversight for a discipleship teen ministry for two or four months over the next 10 months. Teens get involved. Men, women, teach teen guys or gals in Sunday school class several months in the next 12 months. Middle-aged or older married couple oversee a young adult fellowship and spend time with young adults. Just some thoughts. You say, what's it going to look like exactly? If we have a teen ministry, I don't know. If we do something with young adults, I don't know. It depends who's willing to be involved. But some of the general things that we mentioned earlier, the whole issue of relationships, the issue of example, the issue of teaching and knowledge is critical. We may bemoan the past in our country. We may bemoan the past in the body of Christ. I'm saying let's not bemoan it. Let's let the past be past, focus on where we are in the present, and seek to respond well. And in a way of encouragement as we wrap it up. One of the things that just does my heart good is to see older people and middle-aged people and younger people talking and spending time together. I've seen that over and over again in our church, formally and informally. That's valuable. Well, there's time and a place for the olders to get together, the middlers to get together, the teens to get together, the youngers to get together. But there's an urgent need for the ages to intermingle. So valuable. The enemy, Satan, the world system, and our own sinful nature will do anything under the sun to pull us away from what we have discussed this morning. I can be so busy that I neglect my wife, and if I neglect my wife, I've neglected my family and the church because Ruthann is my first responsibility. Just the whole issue of how we live and how we respond is so critical. Let's pray together. Father, as we have shared and interacted this morning, I know that I'm, or I've been sharing in an area that uh, is very dear to your heart. We've not been talking so much methodology of how it is to be done, but some general oversight and things that you desire to be taking place as we impact future generations. Father, we can bemoan what hasn't been. We can bemoan what may have happened in the past, whether it be recent past or more distant past. We want to let go of that, Father. We want to be thankful for how you have worked and the fact that you continue to work in spite of obstacles and failures in the body of Christ in the past. May we seek to live in the present, seek to live out things that we have taught on in the past and live out what we have 
discussed this morning. For your glory, Father. To be passionately concerned about relationships, example, and knowledge. To be passionately concerned about family, being foundational, but yet the body of Christ, intergenerational, being so critical. And I pray that as those of us present this morning ponder and weigh and consider involvement in teen ministry or something for young adults, that they would be sensitive to you, Father. We want no pressure. We're not going to stand up and say you need to be involved. Rather, we want them to be sensitive to you according to their gifts, according to the time that you have given to them. We want to continue to build on strengths that we do have as we reflect on a teen ministry and something to young adults. We desire your glory, Father. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.